Welcome to another episode of ISPM Talks. I am your host, Marcela Hoffman Mourão. Happy 2022! I know, I know, this sounds crazy or some mistake in editing, but yeah, this is the first episode of this year. I've been so busy with my work as ISPM lecturer that I actually did not have time to sit and work on an ISPM Talks podcast episode until now. Well, actually, the work today hasn't really been done by me, except for the intro and outro of this podcast. I am actually bringing you another work produced by an ISPM student. In qualitative research, or research three, students produce a podcast as part of their assessment. Last year, there were two showcased at ISPM Talks. Well, today is Vincent Williams' turn. He is a second-year uh, ISPM student, and he did some research and interview chatting with German football player in the third division of the women's competition, Ella Barthelemy. It was an eye-opening conversation that brought to light the disparities between the men's and the women's game. Enjoy. I would like to welcome you to today's episode of my podcast, in which I have gathered the help of a third division females footballer in Germany, who is going to help me reflect upon the disparity between men's and women's football based on her experiences. And we are going to answer the research question, what needs to be done to close the gap in the coming years? To do so, I've looked at some academic literature, namely an article called Women's Football Still in the Hands of Men by Sterling, Louise Schultz and John from the year 2011, in which they have conducted a few studies um, with interviews in which women, women's footballers from different age groups and different levels are interviewed about their experiences growing up as a footballer in England. More specifically, the study looks at their similarities and differences in relation to how they entered the world of football and what kind of influence their gender had on their opportunities within the sport. The interview data greatly highlights the importance of a male figure or male role um, within the school education system that have an effect on young girls starting to play football. Moving on, the article shows that great progress is made in primary schools. However, once girls reach that secondary school level, a lot of them stop playing football as it's not on the curriculum anymore and they don't feel that it is adequate for their traditional feminine values, um, which are more sought after with a growing age. Additionally, the article highlights the absence of a female football playing role model for girls that want to continue beyond that high school level age, and how that then sparks the initial disparity between men's and women's football, and the unfair or at least disadvantaged treatment that girls get. Moving on, I've looked at an article called Women's Football, Europe and Professionalization by John Williams, who is the Senior Research Fellow for the International Center for Sports, History and Culture of De Montfort University. 
In this report, Williams portrays the developments that have been made in women's football since the 1970s and kind of highlights that it is truly possible to make big steps in the right direction. However, he also mentions that there is still a long way to go for women's football and a lot of potential to be reached, posing the question what needs to be done to kind of close this gap um, in the coming years and how women's football can reach the level of men's football. To answer that question, I've reached out for the help of Ella Bartelemy, who I'm going to interview about her experiences within football, having played for nearly her entire life so far and gathered a lot of experiences down the way. So, hello and good afternoon to you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great, thanks. So I'd, I'd just say um, I'll give you a few seconds to introduce yourself and uh, then we can get straight into the interview. So my, my name is Ella. I've been playing football in a club since I was 11, for, so for about eight to nine years now. And I currently play for a club that plays for the third best league um, for women's football that there is in Germany. And I'm here to share my experiences. Great. Very happy to have you here. Thanks for coming, of course. Um, I know you personally, and I'd say it's also very interesting in, in which places you've played football. So you haven't only lived in Germany, right? No, I've also lived in the US for three years. Great. And you played football there? I did, yes. Cool. So um, I think you're the perfect uh, person to interview about my um, question, my research question, which is how you reflect upon the disparity between men's and women's football. Um, based on your own experiences and the, the greater question that we all get to, to conclude by the end of this podcast, um, which is what needs to be done to close the gap in the coming years? Um, and then I'd say we'll get straight into the questions. I'd say, do you want to just speak about, uh, give us a few sentences about how you reflect upon uh, the disparity based on your experiences? So um, in my club, the women's team is the best team there is. The men play below us, but um, every time we have a game or every time we have practice, we see how big the difference still is between the two. And um, sadly, it's not that the women have an, an advantage, um, but that the men get, get more money and get better equipment. And every time we have a game, we sit in a room and have a discussion and the uh, um, names of the men, even though they play below us, are on the jerseys and on their practice equipment and everything. And um, they already get paid, even though they play in the league below us, which is very sad. We still have to play a month of 20 euros to even be able to play for the club. Oh, and wow. not get anything in return except for if we win a game. And this year is actually the first time that we get clothes that are in a women's cut and not just the men's clothes ordered for our team, which is a very big deal as well. Okay, wow. Thanks for that. So I've got loads of questions to that even. So you can really, you can really see the difference. And uh, what, what league does your, your men's team play in? Maybe to, to get kind of a feeling of how big the difference is. Um, I think since you can't really compare the two leagues since the women have um, fewer leagues than the men. Yeah, true. But 
ours is the third best and I think they play for the fifth or the sixth. Mm-hmm. So it is a very big difference because the league above us is also already the second Bundesliga, which for the men is already cons- professional. Yeah, true. So the third the third men's division, which you kind of technically play in for the women's, is considered a professional league and you kind of you feel disadvantaged by by the men's that play in the sixth league. So that that can't be, can it? So yeah, there's yep. there's a lot of specific incident uh, instances in which you feel disadvantaged for being female and well that that's very interesting thank you and then i i have a i have a quite a particular question um in germany the rule is that girls and boys get separated from from playing together playing in the same team um at the age of 13 i think it is and uh, what what's your stance on that um, I think it's a very interesting question. I think there is probably a very strict rule about why that is the case. But um, I personally disagree with just saying that's the rule and it has to be that way. Because if girls want to play with boys, even though their physique changes um, in a different way when they um, start puberty and everything, if a girl wants to play with boys, I think she just has to be aware that the conditions are going to be very different for her and that it's going to be, yeah, I mean, you really can't say that a girl, she, she's going to have to work much harder than the boys to play at the level that they do, not because boys are better in football, but because in general, the physique and the muscles and everything changes in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the rule itself doesn't, I don't see anything wrong with girls older than 13 playing with boys if they want to do that. It should be their own choice. Same. I, I agree completely. Um, I understand, of course, um, that, that girls, at, at, when they reach puberty and when girls and boys reach puberty, that their, their bodies develop in, develop in different ways and there's obviously an advantage for the boys then. But I think that could actually also benefit women's football as a whole yeah. um, as... as as women would be, the, the girls playing with the boys would be more challenged and it kind of would even increase and boost their development playing with people that are physically stronger than them. Um, in our team, we had a couple of girls who started playing with them and weren't keep playing with them. And you can just tell that they have a more aggressive and agile and in general faster way of playing, which really benefits them when they play with women because the women just play in such a different way and so yeah i really think it could benefit the teams in general yeah i agree it's just like it's the the general rule of saying you only get better by playing with people that are better than you but in that case the boys that the girls would play with they aren't necessarily technically more gifted but just physically better which would which would challenge yeah. them to become better technically than the boys are. I actually also have a, a little backstory to that. Um, I used to play in a football team as well, of course. And um, from until the age of 12, we had a girl in our team and she was great, really integrated into the team. And she was one of the best friends of all the all myself and all my other teammates. And uh, she was also a very important player for us. And then when we got to the age of 13 and um, we were separated from her, 
we really we really missed her as a team and i think she stopped playing football altogether because um at our club there was no women's team that she could switch into and then i i was i was quite disappointed i was i re- think about her regularly um when i watch women's football because she was really good um and she just stopped playing football due to the fact that there was no opportunity for her to carry on playing with us so yeah that's a very unfortunate story in my opinion um i've got a next i've got a next question for you which is um if you've ever been confronted with the stereotype of um football not being a typically feminine sport do you have any stories to that yes i get confronted with that all the time just last week i went um to play football with my cousins and we met a couple of boys and we divided up which i thought were very equal teams But then they um, said, oh, no, these teams are so unfair. How are we supposed to win if girls are on our team? And even though those were like nine and ten year old boys who maybe don't know any better because they never saw any girl play football, they might not have seen men play tennis and know that men can play tennis. And I'm so annoyed by the assumption that so many people have, and it's not just little boys, but in general, so many people that look at you in such a weird way when I tell them I play football they're like what you play football and when I was younger I used to dance as well and I always used to say yeah I dance and I play football and everyone was so shocked like how is that possible how can you do such a feminine thing as dancing and play football at the same time and I was always very annoyed by that statement yeah I can imagine I can also imagine that you then showed them that you can definitely play football as you play on a very high level don't you I, I i bet you've had some funny looks afterwards as well yep some more impressed looks then <laughs> well that actually brings me um to the fact that you you've played football in germany and you've played football in america and i i was wondering if there's a difference between the treatment that you got in playing football in america and in germany Yeah, there was a huge difference. I already knew that um, playing football in America would be different because I played it before in Germany. And I was very excited because, I mean, if there's one thing you know about women's football, it is that the that it's very... Um, popular. Very advanced. Yeah, in advanced. The US and very popular. Mm. So, um, yeah, in my, in my high school, the there were more girls who played football than boys. The boys played American football or basketball, but football really was a girls' sport, and I really enjoyed that. Cool. You didn't have the issue of the equipment or not enough fans, like the stands were filled whenever we had a game. And it felt so much more professional when you get the right treatment. Yeah. And that's really something I, I just can't say about my team's year, because we only have, we have one main coach and one athletic coach. And, um and like uh like um a supervisor or anyone who does the organizational stuff we have to do that by ourselves and in the US we had a huge team of coaches and people who would um take care of the team so just i had so much more fun playing just because of the the um way people viewed the sport yeah of course it makes sense i mean everybody You, it's natural that you enjoy playing more if you if you get treated better and, and if the work that you put on on the field is appreciated by the people that it should be appreciated by right okay wow interesting thanks for that um and then 
we can move on swiftly to kind of a more professional level. Um, so the women that are playing on top on a professional level already and kind of I want to know what you think, how we can help develop, grow um, football, women's football into the mainstream media spotlight. What we can do as fans and supporters and what the, the clubs and the federations have to do to, to provide the platform for that. So it's funny that you say professional players because the um, fact is that um, only two teams of the German Bundesliga are actually fully professional and have players that have professional contracts and the other players aren't even considered professional, like they don't have a professional contract. Some of them only get 200 euros a month. Oh, wow. would not even be possible or imaginable with the men. No, of course not. I think... I think one thing you could do, which um, would be a very simple thing because the system already exists, is like in summer we have um, the European Championship for the women coming up and what we have every time for the men is the trading cards you get when you go grocery, so grocery shopping yeah. and you don't even have to buy them, you get them if you buy food for a specific value. Yeah, the and, iconic panini um, stickers. Yep, yep. And that's such a simple way of like uh, raising awareness and making women's football fun as well. Because I feel like kids don't care if there's a woman or a man on the sticker. They just want to trade them and everything. Yeah. So that would be a very simple way to sort of reach the younger players. Obviously, it wouldn't really change anything about the way adults view the sport. But I mean, everything starts with the children. So I think that's exactly. the first step. I mean, even if even if um, children come home with trading cards or trading stickers and then they, they tell their parents about it, even the dads and the moms, they'll get interested in what they're trading. And I'd say it, it could well have an impact on, um, on the entire f football community. Um, really, really interesting insight about the, the professional players. I didn't even know that. I knew you were the right person to interview about this. Um, I actually, about the, about the Euros... Um, I've recently read an article about Sarah Bjork. She's an Icelandic player. Um, and she, she came out about, she, well, she complained about the fact that their game against Belgium will be hosted at um, one of Manchester City's training grounds, which only has a capacity of 4,000 people, which, is, uh, which she called quite disrespectful to, to the women's game, especially because they've been selling out stadiums like the Allianz Arena. What do you think about that? Um, I think she's very right about complaining about that. There's um, many teams, I mean, barely any teams in Germany. I don't really know how it's the case in other countries. I know that PSG always plays in the stadium, in the same stadium for the men and the um, women. But I know that in Germany, um, a couple of weeks ago, Bayern played against PSG in the Champions League. And that was actually the first time that a female team that wasn't the national team played in the Allianz Arena, which I think is crazy. There barely, there's barely a single team who played in the same stadium as the men do in Germany. And that's so sad because if not even the field can be the same, how are the conditions supposed to be the same and how are, this, how are more people um, supposed to watch it? Because an issue that goes hand in hand with that is the amount of cameras you have Exactly. 
people yeah. are not going to watch the games if you have four or five or six cameras on the sides because it just seems unprofessional. Mm. And that's just disrespectful because in theory, they do the same work, but the way it is portrayed on TV, people are just not as interested in it because it doesn't look as professional as it does for the men. So obviously people are going to tune in for the men's game if it looks more fun, even though the game in theory is the same. Yeah, of course. And that also, that kind of gives a flawed perception of the entire game. Of course, a tackle or a shot will look most um, spectacular if it's catched if it's caught by great cameras from great angles but if that isn't if that isn't provided in the stadiums that that the females play in then how how is there even supposed to be a common ground on these things so i've got i've got a few things that i thought we could that would help close the gap in the coming years um and i'd just like to discuss them with you um one of them is using the opportunity like the euros this summer and capitalizing on mistakes that are ma or incredibly bad decisions that are made in men's football like hosting the world cup in qatar in in winter everybody long everybody's longing for um a european cup or a world cup uh, a football tournament in the summer and i'd say the the women's euros can capitalize on that this summer what do you think about that so i think you're very right about that however i don't think that a victory in the summer. I know that's not exactly what you were saying, but I think that a victory of, of I mean, Germany really needs more fans for women's football. And sadly, a victory in the championship in the summer, even though more people might watch it, is not going to get enough attention to the sport because Germany actually won eight European championships in a row. And I feel like there's probably three people who know about that. And that's just so sad because they... They actually got a tea set for the first time they won. The tea <laughs> and set. And if you look at the amount of money, the tea set, yes. Wow. Um, and if you look at the amount of money that the men get for a victory like that, I think it's just very disrespectful. And the women feel devalued. Yeah. On things like that. So, yeah. I would too, honestly. It's uh, crazy. Okay, so, yeah. What are, what are our conclusions on on how to close the gap? I'd say cheaper tickets, have, have stadiums big enough to, to ha host as many people as want to come. And then instead of having, well, instead of having tickets priced a little higher with less capacity of seats, like in the case of the Euros now, um, which by the way, the, the Icelandic national team is actually... Um, spoke out about in general and they they're trying to get the the venue moved um however yeah cheaper tickets and um would kind of increase the fan base as it increases the accessibility for people to go mm -hmm. yeah so in general what 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 would your conclusion be on on how how to close the gap in the coming years I think there's not just one answer because um, if you look at the U.S. national team, they won everything you can win as a national team and they're so much more successful than the men. The men managed to get into the half final of the World Cup twice, once in 1930 and once in 2002. And they still get more money than the women do, even though the women have a huge fan base yeah. and have huge social media um, and everything. So it's not just the fans. It's not just the success. The main factor really is the money. But then you also, it's on every single level, there's much more work that needs to be done. You yeah. have to 
start from the young ages with better equipment, better coaches and everything. But it's just so hard to work on all those levels at the same time. But that's the only way we can close the gap. Yeah, that's that's really it. You have to start from the base and build it up, don't, don't you? So, yeah, let, let's hope this can happen in the coming years. Thank you very much for coming. Yes, I hope so too. Thank you very much um, for all your answers. It was great insights and um, I'll hope to speak to you again soon. In conclusion, as we have just heard from first-hand experience, there is still a long way to go for women's football to reach the heights of the men's game. However, to answer the research question plain and simply, I would say that the biggest step that still needs to be made in women's football is to foster women's football from the ground up and not only from a level at which you would think that women can become professional. By this I mean that there needs to be a lot more normality about women playing football and especially girls starting to play football. Additionally, they need to receive the exact same treatment as boys do when they start playing football at a young age and they need to play in the same teams together for as long as possible to make sure that they receive the same and equal treatment as well as the optimal coaching and the same financial backing. Only when girls decide not to play in the mixed team anymore due to the fact that the physical disparity is too large, the team should be separated and then in that case I believe that the level of women's football would increase greatly and it would receive a lot more recognition from the entire male community as well. However, of course, this should not be the only solution. It should also be the case that there is the enough fostering and enough backing for full women's teams, as there still could be full boys' teams, and um, they receive just equal treatment and equal subsidies from states as well to make sure that the opportunities to reach the highest level and to reach a great level are equal. This concludes my podcast. Thank you very much for listening and I hope that you will tune in again. Thank you, Vincent and Ella. It's definitely important that we work towards reaching equity in sports and the women's game can only continue to grow with the support of all involved in the sport of football, particularly the men. We need the men's support. I am always happy to see our male students focusing research work on women's sports. So great job, Vincent. Soon there will be another episode. I am currently working on the theme of internships doing some interviews with some questions submitted by students via our Instagram page. So stay tuned for that one. For now, take care and stay safe. Cheers. <laughs>